Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Digital Marketing Agency Builders Podcast. In this show, we discuss the rapidly advancing digital marketing industry and how to grow a profitable marketing agency with some of the best minds in the space. Since 2015, Tyler Narducci has been building and scaling his own digital agency, helping businesses grow and market their services and products through online advertising. Now, he's helping other startup digital agencies launch and scale rapidly to six figures with the Done For You Agency program. If you are interested in taking your agency to the next level and skip all those painful mistakes most have to make by learning directly from those killing it in the digital agency space, then apply now at dfy-agency-program.com scale. That's dfy-agency-program.com scale. There will be a clickable link in the podcast show notes below. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to the next episode of the Digital Marketing Agency Builders podcast. Today, I have with me Avi Kumar, and he's the founder uh, and founder and CEO of Kuwer Inc., a marketing and advertising agency based in Austin, Texas. Kuwer's primary focus is on marketing strategy delivered through a fractional CMO model and e-commerce as a service. Recently, Avi acquired the white-label PPC agency Invisible PPC, as a behind-the-scenes white-label partner, Invisible PPC helps smaller agencies fulfill the marketing needs of local businesses. Avi has spoken at the prestigious Traffic and Conversion Summit along such speakers as Martha Stewart, Marie Forleo, Chip Wilson, and Snoop Dogg. Avi prides himself on being a hashtag irreverent marketer with a belief in looking past the star power of marketing gurus and shattering marketing myths, prioritizing objective data over subjective criteria, Avi helps his clients and agency partners succeed in a crowded marketplace. Avi, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you for having me here. I'm excited. Absolutely. Me too. And I love that you were speaking at uh, Traffic and Conversion Summit. I've always wanted to go myself, so I'm sure that was a fantastic experience. I'm just going to let you know I'm a little jealous of that one. Yeah, it was great. Uh, by the way, Snoop Dogg, uh, this intro was written before. Snoop Dogg did not show up. It was... Uh, uh, Instead, it was uh, Magic Johnson. Hey, that's him. still pretty cool. All right, yeah. that's still pretty yeah. cool. I'd, I'd take <laughs> yeah. it. I'd take it. So, yeah. okay, let me first start off by asking you a little bit um, of something we heard in your intro, which is what exactly is an irreverent marketer and why do you consider yourself to be one? So uh, I, the reason I go with that moniker is irreverent marketer is when I came to market, I've been doing marketing for now kind of 16, 17 years. This agency has been around for 14 years. Um, I had this problem with like, hey, everybody telling this is what marketing is. I came from engineering, a little different background than business school and everything. So I, I, there was everybody telling you what marketing is and a lot of especially marketing, marketing gurus at what marketing is. And it took me a while. Initially I, initially, I felt very out of place because the things they were telling me were not resonating with me. And I was thinking, I guess because I came from a different world, that's why I'm wrong. So I started questioning what they were telling. And then I started reading. I started going back in years in marketing, reading, you know, uh, 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 reading uh, old advertisers, how they were doing it. And slowly I started saying, man, what they're talking nowadays because of new channels and new uh, places to do this. They keep saying, oh, the marketing has changed. It's new. It's actually not. So the things they were pushing with actually were not right. It was just kind of a 
just invent a new word for the same thing which already existed, make it cool, and, and, and those kind of things. So then I said, I'm going to be irreverent. I'm going to question everybody in every stage asking this. In fact, many of the places people remember me because, oh, you are the guy who was almost like a heckler to the person on stage asking so many questions. You know, uh... and, and that's, so I started questioning, like questioning, and that became the way I approached everything that if I hear from somebody that this works, first I'm going to question, I will test it, and I'm going to be irreverent about it. Uh, and then it translated to trying things which, which not others were not trying. And so it's like, hey, and then when they succeeded, that's okay, this works. You don't have to follow others. You've got to try and test. So that's one thing which I'm not irreverent about, that testing works. I mean, that's a marketing says that you should test everything. I mean, so there yeah. are things which are principles of marketing. I, I, I cannot claim I'm irreverent about those. They still work. But a lot of new stuff, the new in vogue keeps, keeps changing. I, I mean, I question it. So we started saying we're going to question. We'll be the ones who are skeptical of anybody telling us, oh, this works. Let's test it. So yeah, that's where totally. the irreverence comes from. Marketing is always about testing and, and, and data. It's really not about like feeling, emotion or anything like that. It's about like you know, the actual facts and what's actually going to work. So I think most companies need a person like you, like you run your own company, you're a CEO. So it's great that you're at the top of your organization questioning everything. But I think in, maybe in some other organizations, they would hugely benefit from a person like you, because if everyone falls in line and just doesn't challenge anybody and like they go one track and they could all go the wrong way together. So it's, it's yeah. good to have that that in an organization. So let's talk about uh, white label partners. That's what this episode is really about at its core, uh, because you are by all means an expert in white label marketing. Um, first, let's talk about what white label is. So what exactly is white label uh, in the agency space and what value does that bring to agency owners? So the white label partner is somebody who does not deal with the end client, but just deals with the agency who's dealing with the end client and does the service for them under their umbrella. Now, white, a true white label would be where you really never, the end client does never find out. So, uh, but it works in many levels. So that's a white label where they just get the work and kind of pass it on. Uh, in some ways, when you're doing hiring a freelancer without telling your customer, you're kind of white labeling it, right? In, yeah. in some way. Now, but the formal white label partner is somebody who's actually a company that's the business they are in, right? Like Invisible PPC, we are in a business of doing Google Ads for others. And we are what I called a pure play in the sense, if you are a direct end client, if it came to a true white label partner like Invisible, we're gonna turn you down. We're gonna say, sorry, we'll send you to one of our agency, we'll introduce you to one of your agencies and you cannot work directly with us. Uh, because yes. also a true white label partner recognizes the value of the intermediary agency. So it's not like, oh, I know Google Ads, so I can do this, I don't need anybody. No, there is a managing the client, their expectation, talking to them, understanding their business. That's the additional effort which the agency has to take on. Yeah. And that's what they get paid for, that's their value add. They focus on that while our expertise is, once you know what you want in the ads, a white label partner, if it's the ads white label partner, if it's a web design partner, they can take it from there and deliver. So that's the yeah. white, uh, that's white label uh, partner business. and. It's it's a uh, it's been around forever. Sometimes not called white label, but the idea is you're kind of getting it done through somebody else, and uh, and preferably a organized organization versus one person doing it. Then you can get a consistent, good quality. Then it's a true white label partner in that situation. I really like how you said 
that you value the actual agencies, uh, the, 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 the client facing agencies part, uh, in the equation, because I think, you know, people can devalue that when they're looking at a whole white label partnership. That's really, really important because you're right. There are very different skill sets. Working with the clients, managing the clients, the day-to-day -day communication, account management. My last episode on this actual podcast was all about account management and that side of the business, which is completely removed from the actual ads work, the SEO work, all the website builds, very, very different skill sets. You either have to combine them or you have to partner with somebody that's going to have what you don't have on that. So I totally yeah. agree. What services would you say are best suited for white label? So uh, any of the services which have a clean cut where from if you are within your agency, after talking to a client, able to assign a task to somebody and they can run with it without going back to client, that will be what I'll call a clean cut. At that point, you, you can write labels uh, from there on. Some services which kind of lend to white label very easily are definitely ads on all platforms. The other one would be SEO. Because once you understand the thing, what needs to get done underneath can be completely white label, website design, any kind of a development. So these these they lend it the once the descriptions uh, in case of development, what it is about, what app they want. Once it is defined, SEO. Once it is defined, the strategy, etc. It can be completely white label. Ads can be certainly white labeled. So so those those are the uh, those are the good ones as examples but mainly they are self-contained. They can be done within a department separately after somebody has dealt with the client. So those would be great for uh, white label. What would you consider as something that's not good for white labeling so, then? So uh, a strategy. So there is a component we, uh, I do want to keep bringing this up multiple times, two reasons. Even though as a white label agency, we have other agency, Kuber, which is a strategy agency, fractional CMO uh, agency, uh, marketers devalue themselves by not getting paid for their strategy. And strategy cannot be white labeled. You can bring in a consultant if you want, who will show up to talk to your client because they have expertise, but you cannot white label that because there you're discussing really truly the business and you are discussing directly with the business owner. So there's no way you can collect the data and pass it to somebody else. Oh, you do the business analysis. You've yeah. got to be part of it, right? So any of the strategy and decision-making in marketing, and I think that's the part which should be paid most, you should get paid most for. Most marketers, when starting out, kind of don't do that. So even if you're doing Facebook ads, somebody has to figure out what kind of ads, where, whether platform, or if, whether even Facebook has been good for you. That's right. a strategic decision, right? It's not like, oh, everybody said go to Facebook or go to Google, you go to Google. There is a strategic decision. Why Facebook? Why Google? Or why should you be going to TikTok already or not yet? Those are strategic decisions and you should get paid for that. So those level of decisions should not be outsourced. Now you can bring in a partner if you like, but this will be not a definitely a white label situation. It'll be more like, oh, I've got an expert. He'll work, work with us in addition. Uh, so, but it cannot be white labeled. That's really interesting. I, I think what if, what if you have an agency owner who's, just, who's talking with a lead, they're not a client yet, they're still in the sales process, and the, the agency owner is getting to know the lead, getting to know their situation, their story, and putting together the strategy, right, on, okay, I think we're going to go with Google, I think we're going to go with Facebook, I think we're going to go with TikTok, whatever the path may be. They can take those ideas, concepts, I, uh, you know, the strategy that they think will work go over to the white label partner and say, Hey, do you think this would work as well? And kind of get feedback there, I would imagine. Absolutely. 
Absolutely, absolutely. So what they do is, if they decided these are the three channels, I think they'll work. Then if I have the same partner doing TikTok, Facebook, and Google, I can go to same. If I have different one, I can say, hey, can you, Miss, Mr. TikTok White Label, can you, do you think this will work? Go to the Facebook. This is the client, this is the business, will it work? And they should be able to feed you back all the data, case studies for that kind of a client. So that's the job of the white label partner. At least in our case, we do that. Like, hey, if you come to us and you say, I've got a chiropractor, I'm going to give you five case studies just for chiropractor and say, okay, if you've got a chiropractor, these are the results chiropractors can expect. Now mm-hmm. you can go back to chiropractor and say, they've Google, if they do Google ads, this is what they're going to get, right? Yep. So the expert will provide you all that information to make your case stronger but you will decide on the higher level that is season. And in fact, if you're in early stages, it's completely okay to go back and say, okay, yes, uh, chiropractor, we have worked with the medical practice, but not chiropractor. Let me look at the data. Yeah. You know, and you know, yeah. I've worked with other, other medical professionals, but let me look at the data, whether specifically for chiropractor, how good it is, but I've worked with dentist, it works, but let me see this. And you come back, check with a partner. And, and if you are a partner with us or any other agency, usually you will already have the data. You've been doing it for a while. You will have that for all the possible and or before the meeting you'll ask for it i'm going to see a chiropractor give me some data on it right right so that's that's that, that's fine too but but the big i think the big part again is it's when closing early stages this is the agency thing that you don't have to know every answer in the first meeting in fact if you come across if you know any every answer you come across as a pushy salesperson yeah it's it's a great idea to go back and say yeah, in general, I know specifics. Tell me more about your business. I'm going to come back with, for you with exact proposal and details. I can yeah. give you general answers, right? Absolutely, because at the end of the day, you're going to you're supposed to be the agency owner, and that's your role, right? You're not yeah. the ads expert. You're not supp- yeah. you're not expected to be the actual. Uh, you know, you're supposed to hire those people, right? Correct. So exactly. it's okay to stay in that role as a CEO that defers to his expert team. Mm-hmm. Afterward, right? And so the first yep, call absolutely. is really, it's a it's questions, lots of questions, getting to know the client. I always tell my students in my program that you should be at, on that first sales call. You should be asking way more questions than you should be talking. Let them do yep. all the talking, telling you all absolutely. the information um, and then get that and then exactly, work with your white label partner. Yeah. The statement you said, they should do talking. So the numbers we use is I say, if it is a 30 minute call, make them talk 25 minutes and you talk only five minutes, then you're doing great. Love and it. surprisingly, when you do that, they feel that you were the expert, even though you didn't talk because yeah. you listened so well and you, you know, you interacted with them well and they feel like, oh, this person really knew their stuff. Really, all you did was listen to their story, exactly what it's about, you know, so I'm it's, with you on that. It's so sad. I mean, most people, they don't even realize that people just want to be heard. Like they just yeah. want you yeah. to listen. They just want to be heard and, and, yeah. and go on. And then you can show up in that second call with the authority of having spoken to your team, having the strategy mapped out and knowing exactly what you're going to say. Then you, it's okay to speak a little bit more, but um, totally agree with you on that. When would you, um, when do you think it's good like in timeline for an agency to consider a white label partner? Should brand new agencies be considering white label partners? Is this something that they should be doing down the line or where on that timeline is it? Is it something to think about? So there are, we like to tell our clients or potential clients that there are three situations where you should be looking at white label, when to start looking at white label partner. One is you're already agency doing some things and your growth is stalled. Now, whatever reason you cannot grow because uh, whatever level of lead generation doing, it's not growing anymore. So that'll be a perfect time to say, you know what? We don't do this specific service. Say we don't do SEO. We don't do ads. We do other stuff. Can we bolt on this additional service? 
then if we bolt on through a partner this additional service then i can go to the same clients which i already have who i'm doing other stuff for and say hey by the way now we do google ads also do you want help with google ads because they're that's the easiest seller they're already your clients and all you're doing is you know so so growth is stalled and you want to add more services that's a great time to consider uh, this uh, the one the other one is you're getting a lot of requests in one specific area you might be doing google ads and suddenly you're getting a lot more requests and you cannot handle them all in-house. And you are not at a place to just hire and build a big team now. That's a great other time to say, okay, we were doing it because we were doing small time. We're getting enough of this. Let's get a partner and get this, get into this big time. And we'll just kind of take the, take the business, then have somebody do it. So that's the other uh, 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 one. The third one is, I come back to the strategy that all this, all uh, uh, marketing agencies, end of the day, if you wanted to split, they are either in fulfillment or in the strategy consulting. Most are mixed in this. When they say full service, they're doing app. But the reality is more you separate yourself and become one or the other, better off you are. Either you are as skilled in fulfillment and doing something really well, really, really well. You just do that either as a white label or direct to client, direct for clients. I mean, you could be doing Google ads direct for clients too, uh, as this agency, that's fine. Uh, so more you so if you decide you're going to focus more on strategy and i can tell you from kuber experience there's a lot of money on strategy that's why i could raise uh, could have enough money to go and buy other agency the strategy makes a lot of money so yeah the, so there's, if you decide that i'm going to focus more on strategy then that's a great time to start considering white label partners because otherwise you have to build this team which is like oh we are full service now i have to have everything in-house so three situations the growth has sort of stalled and or you have a lot of requests from one specific area where you want to grow or you want to focus more on strategy and get out of fulfillment. So that, that's when we should consider a white label partner. I love it. I, I definitely agree. I also like I look at everything from the, the start because I work with a lot of startup newer agencies. And when uh -huh. you're just getting started in the agency space, you really only have a few options. Like, like you could start like me, who I was doing ads and social media myself. Like I was a freelancer yep. that called myself an agency that was doing it all for my clients, right? It's a one man band, which in my uh -huh. opinion, that's not an actual agency. That's a freelancer uh -huh. that's working directly with yep. clients, right? Mm -hmm. So that's not really mm -hmm. an agency. Once you actually start getting multiple clients and you have to start building a team, you really only have two options. You can get a white label partner or you can start hiring in-house people. But for most startup agencies, in my opinion, it doesn't make sense to hire in-house because you're not gonna have the revenue in order to pay their salaries before you have the clients in order to pay their salaries. So it's like this, this chicken and egg situation. So what a white label partner enables a lot of newer agencies to do is get expert, expert fulfillment so that your clients are going to be happy and pay by the project or pay by the client so that you don't have to worry about the in-house salaries while, you know, you're getting your next clients, right? And it enables you to grow, uh, you know, sustainably much quicker. So I think white label and in many cases is a lot, is really helpful for even people that are just starting out getting that, you know, cause the last thing you want to do is, is learn on your clients and yes, do ads yes. yourself when you don't know how to do ads because that's yes. just going to churn and burn your clients. So getting yes. an expert to do that is is absolutely critical. And you you know most people don't have the the money to just burn on salaries, hoping that they're going to get the clients to pay that back. So I think white label partners work even really great from the beginning with a lot of people. Absolutely. So I'll I'll start with the beginning and I'll I'll take you through the journey of a white label uh, working with a white label uh, company. So when you're starting out. 
you might not have two things. One, you don't have resources, as you said, exactly to hire immediately because you have, you have like one client. You cannot, for one client, you cannot set up the whole uh, PPC system or Facebook people. So that's one. Other is when they ask you a question about any channel, you might not have the expertise. So now you come across like, okay, I cannot hire and I cannot be expert without hiring. What do I do? So when then you bring in white label partners, you basically leverage their expertise. They will give you all the material and everything. You leverage that and use that and you come across, man, this person knows all and you get it done and you scale. So the scaling things we have seen with dozens and probably by now reaching hundreds of agencies have done this with us. They started out with one, auto, auto repair one. After two weeks, auto repair two, auto repair three, auto repair dozen. They reach resin, they reach 15. Once that scaling works, they specialize. Or it is like, oh, lawyers. It's a law firm agency only. They start with one law firm, just doing their ads, got some conversion. Then they say, they decide, okay, I'm going to do the website part in-house, ads outside, or even that I'm going to outsource, but I'm going to just go after lawyers, lawyers. So they build. So that is a great scaling while still not becoming general agency. Now you could decide, I'm going to add one more line, not just lawyers at some point. So that's one. Other is, we also have, so for beginners is great, but we also have, so when you do the math actually, even if you're a very large agency, unless you're gonna specialize in Google PPC, the way the math works out, you are better off outsourcing. Because you, what you can do is, so, you're, so we have clients who have 40 or 50 clients already. They still work with a white label partner. You would say, man, it doesn't make sense. They can build a whole team inside, right, with that money. They can, but now they have to deal with one more expertise, one more management, the systems. When you're managing that many clients, you have to scale because you cannot have, just because you have 50 clients, you cannot hire 10 account managers. They're gonna be expensive. Your margins are gone immediately. So you yeah. need somebody who knows the systems and can scale and work. So most white label agencies, including ours, we have a hierarchy. There's account manager, then there's ad specialist, there's a copywriter, then there is a auditor. So all these skills partially you know, spread across multiple accounts. That's how it scales. So unless you're going to build, you know, one kind, either white labor or Google ads agency only, nothing else. It's always in every situation, so I can argue you'll make more money with working with a white label, just not Google ads in any area, right? And other is the margins, right? Most cases, our clients take our pricing and they charge 2x or more. Yep. So like, you know, so that's like, hey, you know, you're going to get that money for managing relationship. And especially in a business of ads, uh, this is the best best part. We have some clients. They don't talk to us for six months and six technology changes. And we tell them, hey, we're changing the landing page platform. We're going to be moving away from this to the other. Can we change? They don't respond to us because what's happening is it's working so well. Their client has not bothered them. We got the credit card on file and everything is working and they just don't have time to talk to us. Yeah, they just let wow. it go because it's been running like autopilot. The money is coming in for them, so it's a little frustrating in one way. Other hand, this, these are the ones I say we check off and say, "Man, these guys must be so happy." <laughs> He's just paying <laughs> every month few thousand dollars, and they're making their money. They just don't want to talk to us. They have no time. Yeah, right. So it can it can be amazing. It can work amazingly well with the right client, right service, and you kind of just kind of let it be, right? So, yeah. so it does work for a lot. The big part I want to say is that as you're growing, it can. But of course, if you decide to specialize, you should bring it in-house in that situation, right? Like if you decide you want to build your own agency in that, there is nothing wrong with that. But otherwise, 
if you want to keep growing and scaling, you can continuously scale to become a very large agency and still never fulfill in-house. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you mentioned the pricing because that's what I talk with a lot of my students in the Dunfree Agency program about is when you bring on a white label partner, they're always wondering, well, what are my margins going to be? What am I, what, what's that going to be? And I say, generally speaking, you should always be able to charge at least double what they're, yeah. char what they're charging you in order to do those ads. If you can't charge double, then either their pricing is not super white label friendly or you're not confident enough in your front-end pricing because that's also a huge problem. People undercharging for their services. If, you, if, you're, if you're confident in your white-label pricing and someone's like, oh, well, that's way too much, it's usually because they're just not, they don't know their value uh, on the market exactly. to go but, ahead and, yeah. and pitch that. But with, yeah, with, and, with sorry, go ahead. But yeah, so we, we run into that with the new, so the only concern we have is if somebody starts the agency and they have not gone through a training program like yours or others, biggest fear is that they're not confident. They don't have the confidence, so they're scared. And the big one thing, I mean, like, so that that makes them feel that it's not worth it. And they feel that I don't know the ads, so how can I charge more? I'm outsourcing. I should yeah. not be charging more. No, I mean, like, when that starts coming in, they are just, they are their own enemies in that situation. Basically, totally. it's not helping them, right? I tell them to literally look at it in the opposite way. I was like, you don't know the ads. So if you were the one doing it, then you should be scared at to, to yes. charge up that much. But you're not the one doing it. You're now yeah. in my program and you're partnered with these expert white label fulfillments that they've been doing it for years. They have a lot of case studies. They have a lot of knowledge. So your confidence should be literally drawn from the fact that you know that this client is going to be taken very well, good care of uh, yep. when they join your agency. So bring that confidence through to your sales calls. And then that's how they learn how to, how to price themselves, how to feel confident on the calls and everything but when you're just starting out and you may be the one doing it like i did at the very beginning oh i get that i get the the shaky uh you know not so confident in your pricing everything and i started off with very much freelancer pricing but as i grew and started getting more experts on uh, you know white label partners uh in my agency then that was able to quickly resolve um avi should agencies this is a really good one i, I want to ask you should agencies keep white label partners hidden from their clients yes uh so uh, this is this is uh, this question comes up for us absolutely. It's a great question. We feel if you're a confident agency owner, you don't have to hide because especially, especially if your partner is a true white label partner. And in that situation, even if they find the partner, they search their pricing. That partner is going to not. So that's that's this is the important part. So if you, your white label partner is the one who has, oh, this is the white label pricing and this is the agency pricing, uh, direct pricing, then of course you have a problem, right? Because they will take your client. Yeah. But if it is a true white label partner, you should not. And other thing is a, a good partner, when you say invisible PPC, it has a cred, it has a value. Right. If you say, hey, I work, my fulfillment partner is invisible PPC, you immediately has, oh, they've been around for 10 years, They've managed so many millions of dollars. And if somebody even goes and checks them out, checks us out, they'll see all the data and numbers and everywhere, right? So that's our general view. But then some might say, hey, it's like self-serving. Well, how is it self-serving? If they come to us, we don't want to turn them away and give send them back to our one of the best agencies. The top, what we do is we, when they fill a form, they say, oh, if you go to our site, they'll say, oh, we'll, put, uh, we'll uh, transfer you to best, uh, to, we'll not, we cannot do this, but let's get you connected with the right agency. Because again, going back to, we feel that agencies provide additional value, which we don't. 
we don't have the time of time or bandwidth we are not set up for that so that's the general answer but that being said if you're new and if you're uncomfortable you know because this is a this is a confidence level thing right i when i in my case as a, even as kuwer when we said hey our video ads we uh, we worked with harman brothers harman brothers does our their does our videos they are our video partner people go and check out oh yeah they are amazing their ads are known right there's nothing to fear at that point and they say oh you got work yes they are our partner yeah once once we do the video. so that that is how we approach it even in as a larger agency because there are stuff which we do which we don't do and because it's still done under our umbrella yeah you will still charge the management strategy deciding what should be done or not money why right in that situations actually the only difference is in our case we never ever we will never take money directly from client even if you introduce introduce us the billing is to the agency yeah and it's and a transparent that, billing yeah. that's actually honestly how it should be i think your answer is really interesting because i think it it is it comes from a place of you owning the white label agency and being really confident in your procedures and and uh processes and uh ethics which are, mm-hmm. are, are, are amazing which is great i think the the general rule though that i would probably advise people on is not to let it be known to their clients on here's why a not everyone is going to be such an upstanding uh white label agency like you certainly you know what certainly. i mean so certainly. so you know i will say that all the ones that i i've worked with in my my program are absolutely the exact same and they would never you know take a client a backdoor away from a uh, an agency but that's not true for the whole market so there is some type of risk there sure. and second i think the bigger risk isn't even that happening the bigger risk is the stigma attached with the word outsourcing and the thought process behind it from your client the client yep. doesn't fully understand what the conversation that we're having and the value of white label and the strategy coming together in the agency space we do because sure. we're entrenched in this in this industry but you have the plumber the chiropractor the lawyer they're entrenched in their industry when they hire a a marketing partner and then they find out that that marketing partner is using another marketing partner to do their like it the whole thing could just feels icky to them and and could has a stigma to it where they're not going to fully understand the nuances that yep. we're saying so just I, just by saving that agency owner from trying to explain the nuances yeah it's your team it's your experience it's your case studies these this is your team that's how i've always i've looked at it it's much smoother slicker of a process so i would not disagree with that especially the ones you said the plumbers the smaller ones smaller you end client it's the same issue more harder it will be to explain to them that how yes. the business works right yes for them they don't care and there is no reason for them to care right so this so i'm uh, so the, here's the other part i don't go and say ever explicitly announced to them yeah right that's the other thing so it's a question of like hey yeah we will manage it we got and and then if they if you get to the point hey who does it and if it is a larger client you can actually totally use it to your advantage but the smaller clients just use the material and keep doing it and the other one is never use the word outsourcing Yeah, it's, word, yeah, it's super partner, stigma. Yes. Yes. Part, yeah, it's ex, expert partner. And uh, the other other way we manage that part is all our account management team members for US are US, UK are UK, and uh, for Australia is actually through Philippines. So the account managers are here. Our fulfillment, our team, they are not contractors, but they are in India and Philippines. That's how we keep the prices down. But the the client facing one. 
is all U.S. because it's needed for multiple reasons. You know, just somebody has to do the strategy right and have to look through, make sure, you know, a, 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 somebody, when, when we say chimney sweep, you know, what kind of chimneys work in U.S. might not be the same in Australia, so they need to know. So that account manager has to be here. So, so that might be the other reason, but generally, yes, I, I completely hear you. Uh, and, and that's why I said, but we are true white label in the sense, everything and anything we do, including the accounts we use to manage, does not have our name. So yeah. we do serve it that way. But I too tell the clients, hey, if you are comfortable, the larger ones, they have no problem. They say, hey, we work with Invisible PPC on this. And, and, and you know, because they have so many clients. Of, yeah, I've got 50, look, all of, I've got 50 clients and all of them, they've been doing this for us for years, right? And it's it's very very simple as, as that. So if you get larger, so that's that's it. In some ways, it's a it's a sign of maturity how far you have reached, how big you have become, and your clients. Your clients, if they're smaller, I absolutely agree. It's too much time to explain to a plumber or if, even a chiropractor that yeah. this, this is what I'm doing, right? Yeah, I think that's a really really good point, and also it's a little bit uh, an indicator on how mature your agency is on introducing that these are these are partners that we use on on fulfillment because i mean at some at a certain point a bigger company should understand that you may be a, an expert agency at seo but you know they're actually now asking for adwords and so they should expect either you're either hiring or you're partnering with somebody i mean it, it does make sense so what would be the best way for an agency owner to do a cost benefit analysis for using white label versus hiring someone in-house absolutely so the way to do that would be is uh, 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 you figure out the skills needed. And if you could you could do this by actually working with the white label. So say you, you're doing with white label, you started out when you start out new and then you're growing and you reach a point, hey, you know, we do so much of this, why don't we do it in-house, right? So what you should do is make a list of all the skills needed to fulfill. And this is very, very important. And your white label partner probably will help you with that, even if they know you're going away. We have clients, by the way, who we have a plan, phased plan, that after three years, they're gonna move this in-house because the growth path is such, they'll work with us. So they will, in fact, many of them say, can we copy your systems? Because we're gonna be building it because you can really copy your sheets and all. I said, yeah, we'll not give you the tools, but you can, yeah, we'll share the sheets and all, I'm fine. Just, just do it, right? Because it gets you going. So first figure out all the line items of the cost. So I'm gonna focus again on PPC. I know more about that. There is a person who does strategy. There is a person who does the uh, the, uh, the media manager who actually runs the ad every day to day. Then we, in our case, we have a person who audits them. We don't want the same person auditing because if you wrote the ad, you're gonna audit it and you're gonna think it's perfect. Anyway, so the auditor has to be somebody you should have, you can have one person auditing others and other, you could do cross auditing for sure. Then there's auditor. You have a landing page. In our case, landing without landing page, we don't do ads. So we got to do landing page. So there's a landing page copy, and then there's a little bit of a development. Landing page development is not that much because you can use the platforms, but there is some of it. So consider those line items, what percentage you need, put the pricing there, how many clients you have, and calculate. Then you calculate versus how much you'll pay a, a agency partner, a, a white label partner. That, that's, that's the, so it's, it's, a, it's a simple spreadsheet exercise in some ways, but it is the important part is don't underestimate the skills needed for each thing and just ask them, who do you have? Ask the white label agency, hey, what kind of people work? How many people work on my account? How many touch my account? What are their jobs? Ask them. 
any good white label company will say it. These are the kind of people, right? And and uh, in our case, we will even tell you that the person who touches which country, where, what, who it is. That's not a problem either. But at least they should be able to tell you how many people touch that account and how do they do this? How do you manage? And take those skills, write it down, and and go to the market. You know, just go to Indeed or somewhere, get the salary, average salary in the area, put it down, and just do a spreadsheet exercise. That's what, that's what we absolutely recommend. If you are smaller, it'll immediately come out not in your advantage. If you're growing bigger, it will come to your advantage as long as you want to build that system in-house. As you get bigger, for sure, it'll be cheaper for you to build in-house, but be ready to have a manager or somebody to build that whole system for you in-house. 100%, I couldn't agree more. Now, one thing that I think is really valuable to agency owners in the agency space is referrals, getting referrals from you know your local network or other business partners. So bringing that into the conversation a little bit, what would be the difference between a referral partner and a white label partner? Uh, certainly. So a re for us, a referral partner, the way we define it is a referral partner is who gets, just kind of introduces the partner and moves on. So, uh, and, and, and does not, so some, somebody like us, if somebody was our referral partner, they cannot refer end clients to us. So it'll not work because, right, you work. Agency because we don't take, but right. if there was somebody who does, so if there was a company who does take end clients and also works as a partner, then if you refer a client, they will give you a percentage, you know, 10 or 15%, our referral is 15% for life. So if somebody gives us an agency, not a client, we do, we pay 15% for life of the client. And it can for be life? For, yes, That's we have clients for five, five years. Yeah, we have cli clients who've been there with us for that long, yeah. So that's uh, usually when I hear referral fees, it's they're like one off or the like if you got an uh, no, initial no, no, no. three month contract, it's that for so that initial contract. But if so, they so resign. Yeah. So our, yeah, what we found is, hey, once we get them in, we are very happy and we don't have to pay this percentage because to acquire a client, it costs us money too. Right. So it's like we think we think it's a okay, fixed, guaranteed, working well, client relationship. I'm happy to keep paying. paying. Yeah. And but of course, if they leave. And if they come back, then it stops because by the time they come back because they knew us, right? They they left, right? So uh, so yeah, we have uh, uh, especially uh, people in your space, coaches who absolutely love this, right? Because for life, so they can uh, with the ones. Get, I bet that's an amazing yeah, yeah. Uh, referral fee you have there. Usually, yeah. most referral fees that I've seen are either one, uh, just a hardened stop percent on the first contract, or even a hardened stop percent on the first month of the first contract. Any resigns yeah. generally after that are are fully there. So that's an impressive uh, referral fee structure that you have. Yeah. Um, so 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 the difference between yeah, so that's the referral partner. When you get a percentage, you don't do any work. But yeah. also, the fulfillment partner is somebody who actually does the work completely, right? So the margins, when you're working with a referral partner, you're getting 10 or 15, right? You said 15% for life is great still, but hey, 50% or 60% for life or as long as your client is even better, right? So the fulfillment partner, you make a lot more, right? So yeah. if you're charging 2X, you're gonna be at least making 50%. Some of our clients uh, charge 3X, so they're making even more, right? So, they're making uh, more, but they are actually working. Right? Like yes, you're dealing yeah, with yeah, the clients. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a trade off. I mean, absolutely. 15, yeah. 15% for life to do nothing but an intro email sounds, sounds like cake to be. Yes. Yes. And, 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 and yeah, yeah, absolutely. For, for, uh, for invisible PP side on the Kuber side, actually we pay only 10% for a year because Kuber clients pay 25,000, 30,000 a month. So it's a much better money. So we do 10% for a year there, but on invisible PPC side, it's 15% for life because each 
monthly is lesser. Uh, so um, that's why we encourage that 15% makes it worthwhile at that point. So, so when a marketing agency is looking for a white label partner, what are the things that they should be looking for to say, I feel comfortable with this marketing, with this white label partner? What, what, what qualifications should they have? So uh, one, one way to compare would be is if your white label partner looks like a freelancer, <laughs> they have same qualifications, then why the heck are you paying that? Most white label agencies, by the way, their charges, including our ours, are very close to freelancer charges. I'm not talking about the cheapest freelancer, a good experienced freelancer. The difference is, so you're asking, what should you look for? The difference between freelancer and other freelancer is a one person or two or three working together. In case of an agency, what you're looking for, how long they've been around, right? In our case, we can say, hey, we've been around 10 years, $165 million spent on ads. So many accounts managed, so many leads. Always that kind of is a, some kind of a, they've been around for a while, right? So it's like, must be doing something right, you know? And white label term for our agency is not that old actually, right? So uh, for our, our uh, marketing business, even the white label as a term has been around for longer. So that's look for that. How long? I mean, there should have been at least a few years in business more. Mm -hmm. And then you can actually, the good news in the agency world is check with other agencies. People will know white label agencies' na uh, partners' names. And they will know what is the reputation. Has somebody had, had bad experience and all? Check around, go to any agency groups where other agencies hang out and ask them, what do you think? So they should have a stellar, clear reputation, right? And so that is very important for us. So we are very aware that we can never suck just for one client because that client is going to talk to other agencies. Agencies talk to each other, right? So we have to, uh, you know, uh, 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 do a good job. So the expertise, then the other third part, which people usually ignore, ask them, how will you help me sell your services? Because end of the day, we are partners in this. If you are PPC, what all do you have which will help me make the case? Do you have something which will help me win over? Somebody's already doing ads with somebody else. Do you have anything which I can go and say, why should they move over? And it cannot be, in this situation, it cannot be, oh, just I have experienced, I do better. Right? Yeah. So, it's, it, so in our case, we have an audit service. We'll audit and guarantee in 14 days, we'll turn around and make you more money. And so if you go with that, then saying, okay, I mean, this is like, why would I not try? I'm already spending so much money. Why would I not try somebody to do that? So ask them for something like that. There should be a clean, clear way they help you um, beyond saying, oh, it's your problem. Like it is their problem. We don't want to talk to the clients, but we give for other white, good white label agencies also, not just us. They provide you material which right. will help make your case better. Do they, they have should... white label case studies? Where they you should put your yes. own logo. Yes, yeah, right? I was just going to so, say, so, they should have a lot of white label case studies that you can yes, throw so. on your website on, and you could reference yes. to say, you know, we worked with businesses like yours before. Here's what we've been able to achieve for them. You don't give the name of the company, obviously, but you talk about the, yeah. what we have, the like, results. We have 160, 160 case studies from different different niches of ads. So we hand those out as, uh, as PPI, uh, Google Slides. They just go and put your logo on and just show that this is what has been done. It will have time, date, uh, and uh, without the name, everything else, the data, actually how much was cost, what, how, what was the lead things. So those kind of materials are the ones which you need to look for. If they provide that beyond the name and reputation, then you have a good partner. They'll support you. And, and they sh it's, it's good if they have a community uh, uh, also, like where you can talk to other agency owners who work with them. 
Yeah. And, and uh, so that's the, that's the other one. And talk to coaches, talk to agency coaches. What yeah. do they think? Right. So uh, 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 that's uh, that's how you find a good partner. Love it. I love it. Definitely do your research. Uh, it's it's important yeah. before you uh, partner up with the wrong fulfillment team. So, Avi, where do you see the agency space as a whole going in the next 10 years? So this idea of what I was talking about, strategy versus fulfillment, mm -hmm. I think this split is has been happening, that this full service concept, like we do everything in-house, is like, in fact, it's harder to sell anyway. I mean, can you really do full service everything? Yeah. So that splintering will happen. And I think the strategy layer is building up and that's the one which we call CMO, fractional CMO model. In fact, just four weeks back, there was an article that how FCMO has really taken off as instead of getting a full CMO, just get a fractional CMO thing. Because that's actually, and some marketing agencies have not realized that CMO is us, that's our job. CMO is not like a corporate thing, that's what we do. Yeah. So you go on that layer, the advantage is now you are, instead of asking them, hey, or trying to tell them what to do, you are the one deciding what all that company will do. Yeah. Can you then briefly... Either you do that in, can, you know... Can you briefly explain to the audience what a fractional CMO is? Certainly. So the fractional CMO is a... First, a CMO is an executive level person. They talk to CEO, usually report directly to CEO, sometimes to CRO. So, uh, and it's the sh shortest live C-suite level position, by the way, the average is only 21 months. Okay. So they get fired quite a lot. So that also tells you that they're going to be fired anyway in 21 months. First person to go is CMO. It's because so everyone a, loves to blame marketing. Everyone right. loves to blame marketing. So, so, so it's even more of a reason why go and hire a full person, just hire somebody as a, you know, as a outsource person, right? So that's the fractional CMO. So it's like CMO, but they're working on fractional basis. Same CMO might be covering four companies or three companies, depending on the workload. Uh, so it's not just uh, exclusive to you. And they will decide, do you need ads? Do you need to change the logo? Do you need a new website? Because otherwise, when a CEO or somebody, business owner is deciding what is their basis, just by somebody said, oh, your website doesn't look good. No, the CMO, it, it has to be a marketer deciding. Right. And you cannot have a website agency deciding because website, you know, it's like going to a um, Barbara and saying, do you need a haircut, right? Yeah. So that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a problem there, right? With us, like all agencies, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, what do you do? Uh, like uh, coming to us and we'll say, yeah, Google Ads will solve everything because that's what we do, right? So it's, it's that kind of a thing. So CMO's job is, and CMO and that strategy needs to be paid. Otherwise they will be doing the same thing, right? They should not be making any cut from anybody. Their job is purely manage the strategy. They're responsible for results. If it doesn't work, it's their problem. They get fired. Right. So they will get the best of the breed. They will pick the right partners or get the right team built in-house, right? So that split of more and more strategy separation from fulfillment is where things are happening and will keep that happening. Because even any of the areas, they are very specialized. TikTok ads is TikTok ads. It's not like Facebook ads. And Facebook ads is not like Google ads. Yes. They are different, right? So once you realize that, then, hey, you cannot have one person saying, I know to do ads, right? You might know how to do copy, but even the copy is different. The format is different. So it's, those separations will keep happening. So whether they call white label partners or just simple partners, 
agencies will keep specializing in those areas and work with others. Right. I think as so, so that I think as businesses start catching on and feel and understanding that fractional CMOs are so much more valuable than a traditional CMO. Because when you think about it, a fractional CMO that has an agency and all the agency connections, like Facebook ad experts, Google ad experts, CEO experts, like all these experts around them, uh, they put together the strategy because they know what they're doing is they're a marketer. And then they can put the best people possible in their network, which should be very strong if they're an agency owner uh, on those jobs. That's a, you know, a, a piecemealed marketing strategy that they came up with. If you, in the case of like a, a full-time hired CMO in the traditional sense, they're going to come in, they're going to build the strategy and then they're going to start hiring one by one. Okay. Let me hire a Google guy. Let me hire a Facebook guy. Yeah. Let me hire a, a content guy. That path costs so much more. Now you have all those in-house salaries that are just adding up, adding up, adding up. And the content guy isn't going to run ads. The, the ads guy isn't going to do, he's only Google. So he's not going to do Facebook like, or, or the other path is they hire a one guide can do it all kind of thing. So the CMO hires a, a digital marketer who can, who's supposed Uh to do the content and the social and the creative and everything. And that's a path for destruction because nobody is good at everything, right? So the fractional CMO model works so much better. It's way more efficient. I mean, it costs the CEO way less uh, and you're leveraging right. all of those um, networked, you know, experienced professionals from the agency owner. So it's just, it's so much uh-huh. more efficient on cost and effective because you have better people doing the job. Correct. And, and absolutely. And then what, what happens is that that CMO, when they, don't perform. So imagine this, if you hired a CMO, it's a big announcement. You, even if they don't do very well, you cannot get rid of them for two, three months because it looked bad <laughs> yeah, for right. everybody, right? Yeah. Because man, there was such an announcement, what happened, right? Unless they kind of did something which is so obviously publicly wrong, right? Yeah. They, they cannot fire them. But if it is a outside fractional CMO, within 30 days, they have to make a difference. You can just say, hey, it's, it's, I'm going to get rid of the CMO. Yeah because it's not the right one. So they are, their intention is like from day one, within 30 days, I'm going to show you that I'm really worth it. Yeah. So they start producing things in the right way. And that's why they don't know way to hire and train, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to, they'll say, I want the expert. Even yeah. if it is like an outsider, I want this done. I want the ads starting next week. So I produce some leads and they're going to keep me around for six months now. Right? So, so it's, they will act very quickly on the low hanging fruit first. They'll produce the results for you immediately. So that's uh, that's other uh, benefit of when you get an outsider coming in and they have other other aspect is they have no fear, right? When you come from outside, mm. you're going to critique everything which is wrong, including the product and service. That's the one thing which I ran into all the time, like just going, oh, you, you make masks or oh, this, these masks, this is a problem. This doesn't fold well. Why not? The ones who are in, they are worried that, oh, you might ruffle some feathers, but outsiders, it's like they're free to talk. Right. And people are not that offended because they're outsider, right? So they're willing to even listen a little bit. So that's yeah. another advantage of getting some outside help in that area. Huge, huge. So, the CMO really, I mean, you, it's about their network. It's about who they're going to hire uh, and the strategy that they're going to put together. So, I mean, why a, an agency owner is a, a, a experienced, at least, agency owner exactly. that's been in the marketplace for a while uh, is a perfect person to actually take on that role that. And, and leverage those those uh, the network that they have. Um, okay, sure. Avi, this is my last question. It's something that I ask every guest that comes on this show, and it is, what is your number one piece of advice that you would give to someone who is just starting their agency today? Okay, so this is what I will tell them. If you're scared, you don't know, 
just know this doesn't matter who you're talking to doesn't matter they are throwing some marketing terms you have not heard they know 10% of you so that's the thing which scares a new person i am just new to marketing i got started mm-hmm. they are in their business a dentist is a business they might have read an article oh I, you know you need to do uh, oh, tiktok posts what do you know about tiktok posts you don't know anything just tell them hey tiktok is still new being studied i can look at it don't be scared they don't know more they just heard some terms they are throwing that at you and uh, other one i tell them is if you run into that situation if they use a term tell them that's a overloaded term it has different meaning for different people can you help me what you mean and that's true about every marketing term if they use something with with you hey are you a growth marketer and you say you don't know what is a growth marketer say oh, okay you know you take any marketing term and you can just turn it around and say it has many meaning if you don't know it but in general anybody you will be selling to doesn't matter how new you are the fact you are trying and learning marketing your end customer knows 10% now there might be 10 or 20% of your customers who know more it's okay but rest 80 guaranteed know 10% of you so don't be so because of those don't be scared because that's what kills a new uh, business owner starting out as agency owner or marketing more than anything the fear of that i don't know enough i'm scared i how can i charge this so i should charge less you more you charge less i mean you find the right price i'm not saying it's overcharge or whatever and stick with that don't have the fear of that oh i don't know so i should be charging less so don't fear you know more you got into this you will learn you will get better but right from the day one when you're going to your first client you know more than them start with that and that get you farther I love it. I, I, I couldn't agree more. You need to have confidence at this at this game. If you don't have confidence, that's going to show in your sales call. There, people can smell that a mile away. A shaky, not confident, underpricing, and a lot of people start like that. So I think that's really, really good advice. It's just speak confident. I mean, honestly, like if you if you just have confidence, even if you know nothing, if you just walk with blind confidence, you're going to get there more than half the half the time. even with no Absolutely. knowledge of just pure confidence you'll get there it's crazy but i think that was uh, a super um very good advice to give to somebody that's pretty new avi thank you so much again for being on the show that's going to be it for today's episode if you're ready to take your agency to the next level and have your leads your team and your sales all done for you then apply now at dfy-agency-program.com/scale that's dfy-agency-program.com/scale there will be a clickable link in the podcast show notes below see you in the next episode of the digital marketing agency builders podcast